Do you realize that we have about a week and whatever, two, three days left in the month of January 2023? It's almost come and gone already, and I don't know about you, but it feels like it almost should have just not even started yet, actually, (laughs) just begun. Maybe you realize part of our sermon compilation throughout the month of December and January has been regarding essential resolutions for this year. Uh, And you see that uh, in some of these uh, charts that we made uh, over the series that we've been looking at, seeing ourselves set apart, walking with integrity, taking up our cross, asking for wisdom is what we looked at week before last. The resolutions that we make, brothers and sisters, today are assuring our faithfulness for tomorrow. And that's why these things are so important for us. That's why looking at these should be more than just rote, should be more than just stuff you might have heard before somewhere along the way if you've been a Christian for a long time. It should be things that we're applying and thinking more on and doing better in as we look into the future of this year. It is so good to have everybody here. I know that if you're a guest, you've already been welcomed. I want to do that as well. It's good to see some return guests that are here week after week. And if you are doing that, if that's who you are, and you have not yet become part of the congregation here, we'd sure encourage you to think seriously about that. Uh, The fact that you're here in worship to God shows you want to be who God wants you to be. And being part of God's family on a local level is uh, part of the way we do that. So we'd really encourage you to think seriously about that, and if you have questions, to talk with us. And if you're a guest who's passing through, we love it when you're here and want, you to, want to encourage you to do that every chance you get. We love you being here. We'll be looking at Joshua chapter 1 together. Joshua chapter 1, if you're using the Bible in the rack in front of you, that's page 210. If you don't have your own Bible this morning, and if you don't own a Bible, we'd encourage you to take that one with you. Everyone should have God's Word in their hand at all times, which is one of our points for today as well. We looked at this passage, as you turn there and you begin to skim it or read it, you'll notice that we looked at this passage at the conclusion of last year's adult class study. It was a great place to end when we were looking at the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and moving into the promised land, but it is especially a good passage for what we're looking at today. And so we return there, we pull some additional thoughts from that this morning with regard to the choices for 2023 that we make considering the resolution to be responsible as a child of God in our day. The resolution to be responsible in our day. Responsibility is a lost virtue in our culture to a large degree, isn't it? I want you to think for just a moment. Few, isn't it true that few are willing to take courage when courage is demanded of them in our day? Isn't it true that there are few who are willing to speak the truth? Few are willing to work what it, and do what it takes to improve one's own life. We don't think that way in our, in our day for the most part. And when people do think that way, it's headline news, isn't it? That's the stuff we see that are specialties on the newscasts of one who rescued an old lady who was in a burning car or a burning building, or one who said what needed to be said that everybody was thinking and they're now praised because while they had the courage to stand up and say what no one else wanted to, wanted to take the heat after having said. You see, those are, those are rarities in our world. That's why they make the news. That's why we think so highly of them, because they're not of the normal cut. 
though there are all types of people with all types of attributes, we all, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, are mandated by God to be people who are bold and people who are responsible, living lives of integrity. And that's been a a recurring theme since last December in some of our thoughts, some of our classes and lessons. And yet, how do we instill these into our life today? Well, Joshua is that kind of an example that helps us by way of illustration to understand this better, to answer that question for ourselves better. Joshua provides this example of what it is to live with the attributes of boldness, responsibility, and integrity in our life. Moses has just died at this point in our, in our text. It begins with, with the idea that Moses already died and Joshua is about to take the place of Moses as leader of the people of, of, uh, of uh, Israel, the, the Hebrew people. So he is instructed to take this people into the promised land. If you know the content of this book, and if you don't, this will be a, a, a highlight for you. The content of the book, it requires our understanding this is not going to be achieved in an easy way. This is not an easy task that, that, uh, that Joshua is being given. There are wars to come. There are failures to come in the people. There are battles to take place. And Joshua understands this and he knows this beforehand. Read with me beginning in Joshua 1 verse 1 of our text. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, so now we understand who he is, Moses, my servant, is dead, God says to him. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the, hill, uh, of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. So he's just talking about this good swath of territory that he's being, that he's being given and the, people of, uh, the Hebrew people, the people of God are being given as well. All of this, he says, shall be your territory. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you have good, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For only then shall you, uh, uh, you will make, only then uh, will you make your way prosperous and only then will you have good success. Right? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Or another word for us would be the word discouraged there. For, your, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A lot of resolutions that you can pick up on in that reading, that text. If you just give some thought to it, you'll find a lot of them there that, uh, that uh, 
that Joshua was to have that God was giving to him. Do this, do this, do this, do this. All that's resolutions. That's all resolutions in this text. I would like to remind you that at this point in Joshua's life, Joshua's seen some years pass, hasn't he? At this point, Joshua's no longer a young man serving Moses. His life has changed from that. And he's been doing that for a period of time as he's been this protege of Moses, as he is assistant to Moses. Joshua's life has been increasing in the faith. He's an old man, according to our standards, at this point. In fact, he's somewhere probably between 69 and 79, maybe even a little older than that, at this point in his life. And it indicates to us, brothers and sisters, this is a lesson to be utilized by those who are older among us and not just younger. Well, that's true for every lesson, actually. But it's especially true here because we're looking at the life of an older man who has now been put in a position that he had not been in previously. The older we get, the more we realize how time matters, but also how words matter. I don't understand older people who have not yet become wordsmiths because words matter. Words are powerful. Words have great influence, great impact. And the people who say them need to say them with that in mind. Our words matter. God intended for His words to matter to Joshua. And we see that in this text. To influence Joshua to have the same resolution that God had. Or resolutions that God had. God's, in other words, God doesn't just frivolously say words. God has purpose in his words, and he's expecting us, as like seen in Joshua, to put great impact in those words. Joshua doesn't seem to waffle about in all of this. God is speaking to him. He hears what God says, and he begins, he begins to put that into, to implement that into his life right away. Uh, is, that what, is that what you and I do? When we hear the word of God spoken, do we waffle around? Do we say, ah, I got these choices. Okay, what are my choices? Or do we begin to implement what God says into our life right away? I think there is a difference between predictions and resolutions, don't you? I want you to think about it for a minute. Is Joshua going to make predictions or is he going to make resolutions? Don't we often make predictions in life rather than resolutions if we think about it seriously? You ever consider the great difference between these two words? A prediction, you see, is something that we feel might happen with the knowledge that we currently possess. It might. I mean, if everything works out the way that I think it will work out, then my prediction is this. Is that what Joshua's doing? Historically, one thing I have noticed about my predictions and other people's predictions is that they typically do not ring true. They usually fall short. Something I've noticed 
Have you? 1876, Western Union. The telephone has many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a viable means of communication. The device is inherently worthless to humanity. Was that true? It was a prediction. I found another one in 1943. Tom Weston, who was the chairman of IBM Computers, said, I think that in the future there will be a world market for maybe five computers. 1982, let's get a little closer to our day. IBM put out a statement saying $100 million is way too much to pay for Microsoft. Predictions are just that. It's what we think might happen with what we think we know. And so they are inherently built within them. There is inherently this problem of misconceptions. Resolutions are different from that, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope that you realize this for yourself in your own life when you make a resolution. Resolutions are not predictions. They're not about what we think might happen if things go the way that we think they might. Resolutions are what determine will happen based upon our convictions, based upon things like personal discipline, based upon things like purpose, understanding of purpose, based upon a sense of mission. Caleb had all of that. We can see that here in this text. He had all of that. But I'll tell you the main thing Caleb had. He had what God had said, and he knew that would happen. That was a resolution. Well, we have that too. We have what God says, and that is our resolution, as James would instruct us to say. If the Lord wills, we will live, and we will do this and that. It's all according to what God knows and how we follow. Resolutions given to us by God are night and day from predictions made by self. I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking about making these resolutions we've been talking about, they better be more than a prediction. They better be based on what God says will happen when we implement them into our life. Joshua had no reason to think whether or not what God was saying would be so. We don't either. Isaiah 55 verse 11 tells us that when God says something, it never returns back to him. His words never will come back empty. They do exactly what he says they'll do. When God spoke to Joshua, he did so with resolve. He did so with firm purpose. And he intended that the words he spoke would be the words that Joshua implemented and made resolutions to perform. Joshua was blessed to be part of God's design. Is it any different for us? God speaks, we listen, then we resolve to put those words into use, and when we do that, it changes our trajectory. Changes where we're going, how we're thinking, and certainly where we're headed. Joshua is told by God in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. 
But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. He is told, do not turn from it. You know, brothers and sisters, that means going right or left. Maybe you think you're a conservative. Does that mean you're going right? What does God say about that? Maybe you think you're a liberal. Does that mean you're going left? What does God say about that? Brethren, he's given us the target. It's inaccurate when we aim right or left. Hit the target. That's what God is intending for us. And that's what we have to make a resolution to do. Hit the target. Joshua had to hit the target. Nothing else would be acceptable to God. And that's what God is telling him here. Do not go right. Do not go left. Do not turn away from it. Let it be in your mouth constantly. Let it be on your brain constantly, day and night. Look at the Word. Study the Word. Be part of the Word. Does He say anything less for you and I? We're given the same resolution. Have we implemented that into our life? The very first thing Joshua is probably going to recall from this statement of God is, God is determined for him to resolve, look to the book for your direction in everything that you do. Never turn from the book, even when it came to his personal age. You know, I find that I see things differently as I grow older than I did when I was younger. Does not give me excuse to turn from the book. Does not give me an excuse to go right or to go left because of what I've observed or what I've seen or what I think, predict, might happen. The book is all important. Talk for a second about physical age. Can we do that for just a second together? Do you know, brothers and sisters, that age does not determine God's resolutions about you and me? Never has in Scripture. I'd challenge you to find a place in Scripture where God said, you know, I really, really wanted to use Joshua, but he's getting old. God isn't concerned with our age. What God is most concerned with, and don't miss this point, is attitude. God cares about attitude. We've all known the 20 or 30 year old who's lived long enough that they have a terrible attitude and they illustrate that terrible attitude with bad examples. And then we've also known the 80 plus year old who's lived the same kind of hard life, learned a lot of the same lessons, but they're fantastic in attitude. What's the difference? We could swap that, but what's the difference? As we grow older, we may not be able to throw a football like we once did, We may not be able to run like we once did. You've heard me say before that when I run now, there's stuff sloshing around that I never realized I had. (laughs) So we may not be able to run like we used to. You know, some of the physical things start to break down. But I will say to you, brothers and sisters, we think different. We think more accurate as we get older. If we are making God's resolutions ours. It has little to do with what really matters all those physical breakdowns that happen to our body whether we want to or not the things that really matter are not limited by years they are only improved they are only increased they only get better by years older age and and please hear this if you're older 
I'll let you define what that is. What is older, right? Older age does not have to simply be a curse. And yet it is a curse. We see it all the way back in the book of Genesis. At the fail of man and woman. They began to die. It's a curse to get old. But it doesn't have to just be a curse. Because with every curse, God makes a blessing that comes out of it. And this is no different. The fact of the matter is, it is through older age and living and learning and growing in God's wisdom that we are blessings to ourselves in our own life and to, listen to this, to others in their lives. God often uses older people, if you look in the Bible, to accomplish the monumental tasks and great levels of achievement. Age means little. Attitude. Attitude means everything. At 70 or 80 or plus years old, Joshua could have bemoaned what God was demanding of him to step into. Maybe he liked his life the way that it was before, you know? Or he could meet it with zeal. Because of the faithful assurances of God... And this to me is a big point. I hope that you'll take it to heart, those of us who are older, for the privilege of still being counted worthy to work in the kingdom of the God who created him. God did not write that man off. He doesn't write us off either. I mean, we just don't get to a certain age where God says, well, I was going to use, you know, so-and-so, but... I can't use you, you're just too old. Look, as long as we're breathing air, we serve a purpose for God if we're willing to make it His resolutions, our resolutions. We need to think less of age, and we need to think more of God. How will He use you if you're getting older? The way He uses us changes, just like it did for Joshua. But use, nonetheless, is what he has for each one of us. And now let me point out something to those who might be a little younger as we talk a little more about this character, Joshua. The very first words of the book are these, after the death of Moses. And then again in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. There's something so strengthening about mentors. I've had mentors, and maybe you have as well, probably you have. I think probably all of us have at some point. Having Moses as a mentor, God is telling Joshua, that's no longer needed in your life, Joshua. You don't have to have Moses to do what I'm telling you to do anymore. To be who I need you to be. For those who are younger, it's hard to imagine No mentor. Maybe that's our parent or parents. Maybe it's a faithful older Christian in the church. You know, I'm talking about good mentors. And the fact is that they are great and they are needed when we are younger. God in Proverbs is not shy about telling us to listen to those who are great mentors for him. 
But at some point, if we live long enough, we're probably going to outlive our mentors. They pass from this life and then what? Now listen, here's the point. If we're like Joshua, we can do what our mentors were doing. We step in as mentors, and that's what Joshua's having to be told to do, right? Joshua's still going to do all the old jobs he was doing before, or is he now stepping into the place of Moses? And what was Moses to him? His mentor. Mentor died. Brothers and sisters, let us be preparing to be the mentors God has created us to be to others around us. That's not on your mind. It should be. You need to be thinking the way Joshua's thinking. Joshua had been preparing to carry on where Moses had left off since he was a young man. And before that happens, we need to have grown up in our relationships to God. Because like Joshua, there's going to be coming a time when God is really the only mentor that we've got left. And he's the only one we realize we need. And then what about the obstacles? You know, when Joshua was a spy at age 40, he saw fortified cities, he saw superior militaries, he saw giants in the land, the descendants of Anak. And you know, at this very point that God is talking to him in Joshua chapter 1, none of that has changed, not one thing. Still just like it was 40 years before. No matter what obstacles lay ahead, like Joshua, we know obstacles mean nothing when it is God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Has anything changed about God from then to now? God still gives us the same instructions that we see with, uh, at least in principle, that we see with Joshua. Each of us have obstacles in our future, and we can choose to quit or we can choose to press on. That's our choice to do. That was Joshua's choice. Joshua doesn't fumble about for a second, it doesn't look like. You and I shouldn't either. Whatever obstacle or limitation that might keep you from pressing on, becoming more of who God wants you to be, please realize, brother or sister, that is small compared to our God. God is over our problems. Our drawbacks, our obstacles, our difficulties. God, we're told in Philippians, is at work in us, in you. So let me get really practical for just a quick second. Are you the opposite of courageous in speaking out or allowing God to be seen as light through you? Are you timid timid about that? I want you to resolve today that God is bigger than timidity. God has more power to overcome our issues than the world has. Please realize that. If God's for you, who can be against you? Is a lack of financial resources what holds you back? Well, you know, I'm going to do this or that. I'm going to be this kind of person, that kind of person. I'm going to do all these things, all those things. When, when my ship comes in, brother, sister, please, follow God. Press with God ahead. 
God doesn't need our resources for us to live right, to do right, to be a positive influence in the lives of our family and our friends and others who are around us. There's no reason to wait for a ship to come in. If God's will is at stake, God will provide whatever it is we need to do His will. Maybe it's the past. You don't know what my past is. It's undeniable drawback. Well, I would say to you, you don't know the past of about 90% of the people in this room. (laughs) We've all made mistakes, brothers and sisters, in our life. It's granted, some are worse than others. We've made mistakes as parents. We have made mistakes as children. We have made mistakes. If you're a spouse, you've made a mistake. If you're a Christian, you've made a mistake. We've all made mistakes in our examples. I'm just saying to you, no matter what the obstacle, we resolve to move forward in our faith. We pray, as we talked about week before last, about whatever the issues are, and we know that Without a doubt, God will answer, and God is always a help. I have told some, even in this auditorium today, when going through difficult times in life, God may not take away the obstacles. Oftentimes does not. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, no. God doesn't always take away the trials. God is going to test us. We see that over and over again in Scripture. But God also promises that He'll give us everything we need, and usually it's much more than we need, to live through and learn some lessons and become a mentor to somebody else once we're done. Everybody has obstacles. And we can fixate on the obstacles, or we can fixate on the power of God at work in us. One is sure going to surpass the other. In verses 2 through 5 of the text, I want you to notice that God tells Joshua several things. He says, I'm giving the land to you. Verse 2, I have given it to you. Verse 4, I, it will be your territory. And verse 5, it will be with you. I will, not leave, I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. All God does to give Joshua confidence and zeal in this situation is just simply tell him what he was going to do. Let me ask you something. Is that what it takes for you to make a resolution? God says it. He wants it in my life. I'm going to do it. Or is there something else there that kind of runs a person off track? Does it sound like a worthy resolution in our life? Allow our faith to have its way? Allow our faith to have its way. There's a great song that I wrote down this morning. I heard the words of it as I was... Uh, reading through some of my notes this morning is is the words con- is the song called control we don't sing it here i wish we we need to that'd be a great one uh the word the chorus to, to the song says do you uh god you don't you don't need me but somehow you want me oh how you love me somehow that frees me to take my hands off my life and the way i think it should go God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Oh, how that frees me to open my hands up and give you 
control. It's a great sentiment of what we're looking at with Joshua. Did God need Joshua? Does he need you or me? So what stops us from being used? What do we grab on to more tightly than our God? What resolutions are there that are surpassing the resolutions he wants us to have in our life to serve him? In verses 6, 7, and 9, God tells Joshua to be strong, to be courageous. Don't you love this passage in Psalms? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Centuries after God and Joshua's conversation is recorded, John the Apostle says to the people of his day and to us as we use it, little children, you are from God and have overcome. You will overcome. Yeah, it's true, we will. We have. We have overcome. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua is told. How could he be with all the obstacles that we've looked at this morning? Well, we've seen it in the points that we've made. I want to make very, three very brief points and then, and then we'll conclude. First of all, it would be by his resolution to be confident that God's call and purpose was real in his life. It's God's child. You and I also have the confidence of God's calling in our life. Just as Joshua, we have a purpose that is given to us. You know what that purpose is? Yes, you do. You know how I know you do? Because you've heard it already a hundred times since the beginning of the year. It's to be light and to be salt. Light of the world, salt of the earth. That is our purpose. That's in a nutshell. I get it. We can break that down to many different things. I understand that. But we need to understand our overall purpose to begin with. Joshua's overall purpose was to lead the people into the land. Our overall purpose is to have impact on people around us. Don't mistake your purpose for continuing to exist. It is to have impact for God on other people in our lives that we come in contact with. God gives us strength. He gives us courage. If we are willing to follow his will for us to do that, he'll do it whether we're in the world or whether we're with our families or whether we're with our spiritual family, God will continue to pour that on. And just as with Joshua, we too are given the wisdom that is found in the written word. That's what God says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Brethren, I want to say to you, there's nothing more valuable in our life than the book. Nothing. Do you treat it like that? Do you pick it up? Do you research from it? make applications, you press. 
out of the book. What is to be gained from the book? Every day, we should be consciously drawing principles for, and listen, this is important, for ourselves from our own book, the Scriptures. Well, you know, I, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with it. I get it. You show me somebody who doesn't have a hard time with it, I'll show you somebody who's just not doing it. We all have a hard time with pressing out of the book what we need to get from it. It takes work and it takes effort. I want to say to you, don't wait for the Bible class or for the sermon if that's what you're accustomed to doing. I'm getting serious about this for a second. You know what that is? That's pre-digested food. What you're getting right now is pre-digested by Nate Fritz. Yeah, see, I put it that way. It doesn't sound so appealing, does it? That is pre-digested food by somebody, the teacher, the preacher. Don't be satisfied, brother or sister. Do not be satisfied with generic spoon feeding from the preacher, from the Bible class teacher. You see, here's the problem, and I'll tell you this right up front. Right up front, I'm saying to you, as a preacher, as a Bible class teacher, as a minister, as a shepherd, I can only say generic things from this place that fit the majority of those who might be present. It's not to you specifically, it's to us. That's the best I can do on the best day of the week. That's the best I could do. And that's the best that you could do if you were up here doing this. It's the best any preacher or teacher can do. Just give generic information that may or may not fit your life at the moment. And if that's what you're waiting on, you might be waiting a long time to grow. But here's the thing. You don't have to wait on that. This could just be icing on the cake, right? The real stuff comes in personal involvement. The real stuff comes when I say to myself, I'm not waiting on that period of time in order to gain something that I might be able to gain in the assembly. Instead, I'm taking out my Bible this evening, this morning, for my lunch period, before I go to sleep. Sometime, every day. And I'm going to draw from it the things that God leads me to see. God's not against us in this. I have a hard time understanding the Bible. Maybe you're trying to understand wrong things. Look for what God wants you to understand right now. Apply it. Make resolutions from it. We need the book more than ever, every day. This year starts with a trend, maybe for some, to start using it for one's own self. You know, we still do what our grandparents and parents, great-grandparents did. They walked around, I can remember my dad doing it. I remember my grandfather with a Bible in their pocket. You know, I don't like using that big old clumsy thing. You don't have to. Mine's going off right now telling me it's time to quit preaching. <laughs> All of us have a phone. All of us have an ability to use God's Word constantly. It's never away from wherever it is we keep it. <laughs> I got mine right here right now. Maybe you've got yours somewhere else. 
It's never too far from our body parts. <laughs> we need to use it. We need to take notes in it. We need to revitalize our spiritual lives. Start using it for oneself and not just accidentally stumbling into it when the preacher says or the teacher says something that just happened to fit just what I needed. Every day can be that way if we'll be using the book. God tells Joshua, when you do that, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. God's promises of His personal uh, presence is also important. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. How true that is when we have His Word confidently beside us. What confidence, what security that gives our life. Whether we're age 80 plus or 8. I hope that you'll utilize the words of God as they were meant by God to be utilized in your life and as we've looked at from today's lesson. Let's bow as we close in word prayer together, please. Our Father in heaven, in you, we put our trust. We have looked at uh, today the use of your word in our life. And sometimes we, I readily admit that Confidence comes from elsewhere than where we see it in your word. Sometimes it comes from the world. Sometimes it comes from others that we're close to. Sometimes it comes from our mentors. Sometimes it comes from others. Help us to get beyond ourselves, Father, of our feeling of limitations and fears. And help us to be formed to your will. Make us people of resolution that is based upon your word. Commitment. Hear us, Father, as we recommit ourselves this day, and really many times throughout the days to come. We do this with great confidence in you. We make resolutions with great confidence in your word. And so we pray that you give us wisdom in doing that. It is through the name of Jesus, our great Savior, that we pray these things. Amen. You may think that you have time. Time is one of those factors we mentioned at the very beginning of our lesson this morning. Um, I want you to realize this morning that no one outlives time in this world. And I'll tell you something else, and that is that no one has promised you any more time than what you currently have this moment. And that's the truth. The Bible tells us clearly The way God sees us is like a vapor. We're just there for a second and then we're moving on. I want to ask you a question this morning. Where are you moving on to? (laughs) The vapor's going away. Every minute you live, the vapor is getting thinner. So where are you moving on to? It's time to accept responsibility, maybe in your life, by making the choice to start living for God regardless of your disadvantages or your setbacks or your adversaries. Amidst the struggles of life, the first step forward can sometimes feel like the most difficult. turns out that that's really not true. 
there will be other difficulties. But it can feel like the most difficult. And yet I want you to realize, if you haven't yet, that's exactly what God's calling you to do. Take responsibility. If you've been avoiding that and you've been using your life the way you want instead of the way God says, you have no confidence in the way you're living. None. You might think you do. That's just a prediction. Make a resolution for God today. If we can help you in doing that, why don't you come forward? You talk to us in private. You can come forward right now and become a Christian, living for God, living for his ways. Won't you come right now while together we stand and as we sing.